y'all talking about because y'all talking about the NBA got everybody got guaranteed contracts and it's false. They I, do. I don't think the game's over. Welcome to Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buck. Call to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Facebook page is Clocker Sports. Website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow the pod on Twitter and on Facebook at 30spod. That's the number three, zeros and pod. That voice you heard was Brandon Marshall, former NFL wide receiver on the I Am Athlete podcast uh, with Channing, in, the, in that clip, Channing Crowder and uh, Chad Johnson, Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson. Um, B. Marshall's getting a little bit live, and uh, we'll talk about why. A little bit later, but I just wanted you to hear exactly how live and uh, the that was just the beginning. That's just the start of the clip. Like <laughs> that's not even where it gets the best. So uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, we have to address the um, you know the happenings around the NBA. So we just wrapped up the NCAA March Madness tournament. Congratulations to the Baylor Bears, the national champions. Um, very impressive. From uh, Davion Mitchell, they jumped all over Gonzaga. Jalen Suggs definitely felt the pressure, and it was. I, I tweeted this out um, during the game, and again, follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. That this was very reminiscent of the Loyola versus Illinois game, and how Baylor just kind of jumped all over Gonzaga, and Gonzaga had no answers. And once they finally figured out an answer, it was probably you know not probably it was definitely too late. Um, they made a little bit of a, a of a run in the second half there towards the end of the game, but it just it didn't work. It was too late. Like I said. Um, and it was a, a simple case or a classic case of pressure busting pipes, right? You saw uncharacteristic turnovers from Gonzaga, and you just saw Baylor making three after three after three from the perimeter, and it was just an ugly, ugly uh, sight. Like not not ugly for Baylor, but ugly because you just knew like all that all that good feeling from the Gonzaga run just had run out, right? All that good luck was used up on that magical shot from uh, Suggs the couple of nights before. So, um, but hats off to Baylor. I uh, just wanted to get that out of the way real quick before we get into some NBA news. There was a coaching hire, though, uh, NBA-related. Drew Valentine will be the head coach of uh, Loyola University, who lost head coach Porter Mosier to the Oklahoma program. I believe that's where he went. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I believe it's Oklahoma State. And uh, Drew Valentine, though, is the brother of Denzel Valentine, Chicago Bulls swing man, wing wing forward guard, depending on what you want to call him, because he also uh, does a lot of the ball handling in times of need. So, uh, congratulations to him as well on a, a, a job well earned, been an assistant there for quite some time. So um, he joins another head coaching hire from an assistant and Hubert Davis to UNC, the longtime UNC assistant becomes the first black head coach at uh, North Carolina men's basketball. So uh, hats off to both of those guys. Just wanted to talk about that real quick. And now we can get into some actual, actual factual NBA stuff. A few days ago, the Utah jazz were on a plane and that plane hit a flock of birds and had to make an emergency landing. Several of the players uh, from that plane, from that from the team, said that it felt like they were hitting the brakes in midair and that they could, you know, some of the teammates were making plans to say goodbye to family members. They were, they were texting family like this might be it. Donovan Mitchell went so far as to skip the game entirely. 
I totally understand Donovan Mitchell skipping the game entirely. Like, not, not, not like anybody was giving him a hard time. But I, I can't say that I wouldn't have a hard time focusing and getting myself game ready. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe after you survive it, you're just like, yes, I can. Ah, you all fired up and all of that. Maybe that, that kind of helps take some of the pressure off of it that way. But me, myself, personally, I'm going to need to go and calm down for a minute. That's not normal. And, you know, these guys fly a lot. So it's and it's still not normal. So I, I totally understand him uh, deciding that, hey, you know, this one, I'm going to sit this one out. You guys got this one, right? You know, again, nobody was really jumping on him for, but I, I, dude, I, that's, I'm not saying that it was the most um, treacherous situation, you know, the emergency landed, everything was fine, you know, but for a second there, they felt like they hit the brakes in midair. That was per Mike Conley. You hit the brakes. If there's one place, right, you don't want to be feeling like you're hitting the brakes, especially brakes that you're not controlling. It's in the midair. If I'm in, you know, just, just, so again, uh, hat, listen, spider, I get it. I get it. Nope. I'll be fine. We guys, we'll be fine. <laughs> you know what? I think my COVID test came back inconclusive. We'll see what happens next game when you guys get back home. Because, damn, that's a bit wild. In other news, um, Rui Hachimura, rookie, well, not rookie anymore, wow. Um, Second-year man for the Washington Wizards calls Russ Westbrook senpai as a sign of respect. And I only bring this up to mention the fact that every time Russ goes somewhere, people talk about how he's a uh, not good for a team and you can't, you know, win with him, and, and he's not. A, they kind of bring up the bad teammate kind of stuff. I've never understood that because I've never heard any teammate badmouth him. Um, they try to point to KD's leaving as as proof that Russ is a bad teammate and guys don't want to play with him. Except for KD has come out and refuted that several times, or in, in maybe not in that many words, but I think even in those exact words that it wasn't because of Russ. And yet, and still, we have to deal with this narrative every so often. But anyway, um, Hachimura calls Russ senpai. Uh, which means old man or elder. Um, it's out of respect in Japanese. And so, just wanted to share that because, again, like I said, for some reason, people feel the need to talk about Russ not being uh, not being a, a, a good teammate, which just sounds like the most absolute bullshit. But whatever. You know, it is what it is. That sounds like a, 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 a lot of people that don't like Russ for other reasons. Just because. Whatever doesn't matter i'm just saying that they just don't like them so whatever it is it won't be good enough and and awards news or awards updates joel and bees return to the floor and well we all talked about how uh the mvp award was nikola Jokic's uh to lose the jokers right it was his his it's his award i can't help but wonder that now that Embiid's back, if he can retake it, he it's not like Jokic has been lighting it up, right? Or like I said, I actually brought this up at the time when everybody was started going down. He doesn't necessarily have the marketability that the NBA looks for in, in MVPs. And if we're going to act like, you know, narrative and that kind of stuff doesn't play a factor, then we're just going to be naive. That's fine. Whatever. But the reality of the situation is he just doesn't have the market marketability Joker that is. That an Embiid, the character that Embiid is, has. So I could see a situation where Embiid makes it a race if he can get healthy and stay on the floor. And that narrative pushes him over the top. 
that gets him right back. He was again, again, he's not coming from out of nowhere. He's really just coming back from the pack because he was the top dog for a while there. And then he got hurt. So it's not, un, you know, it's not insane to say that he's even in the conversation as it is because he just came back or even though he just came back. And you might think, oh, well, he, you know, Joker's got the lead. He's still there, still playing. Telling you, we've we've already heard it in recent weeks or recent months, whatever years, however long this been. I can't remember. We've heard that that uh, piece about the about Ramona Shelburne saying that she's more narrative, and then we heard confirmation from another reporter saying the same type type of things. Like, come on now, we know narrative plays a role in this. So if if Embiid is able to make this a, a, a tight competition, make it a competition. There's a very good chance that he steals this one back from Joker. I still think it's Joker's right now. I think I, I had said that I, I uh, wasn't sure if MB's return would be enough. I thought that maybe Joker had enough of a lead to kind of keep that locked. Uh, maybe not, though. For my own reasoning. That's what was funny. That's what's funny about that. I actually gave the reasoning why and still didn't listen. Tough. Anyway, I do, though, I do think, though, that if uh, Embiid is able to come back and he looks Similar to what he was before, his dom- his typical dominance up as he did, even though they had him on a limit, limit, little bit of a minute restriction. Uh, if he comes back and he gets back into the swing of things, I think it's a very good chance that we have Embiid as the MVP over Joker when it's all said and done. ESPN fired Paul Pierce, uh, former player, retired player, champion, analyst Paul Pierce, got fired because he decided to uh, go live on Instagram and share video of himself at a party a poker it looks like a poker game uh he <laughs> but it wasn't just that uh he was smoking a blunt smoking the marijuana uh in the video and had a bunch of scantily clad women uh frolicking about in the background and even making their way into the actual video as uh features so um espn quickly and promptly terminated that contract the mouse was not happen- ha- happy and weren't the mouse was not happy and was not having it. There we go. I had to get that out. Um, Paul Pierce quickly took the social media and said, you got to smile. You know, the truth will set you free and all that stuff. I personally said that this feels way too blatant knowing where he works, knowing that he works for Disney or Disney entity, right? Way too blatant to be an accident. This has to be an exit strategy. There's no way that this was something that he just was like, oh man, dang, for real? I can't be in, the, in my video smoking. What? Now, Everyone is quick to point out the legality in certain places of marijuana and, you know, even it ends the, the, pro, the profession of, of, uh, of, uh, how, what's the word? What is the word that I'm looking for here? Dancing, whatever. We'll just call it dancing. Um, exotic dancing. There we go. I couldn't think of the word exotic. So neither one of those things are, are necessarily illegal. And so for ESPN to, uh, terminate his contract is, is, kind of, you know, jumping the gun. Obviously, when you have the companies such as ESPN uh, and, and their brands, they don't want to have that kind of attached to their imagery. Now, you could say they have other uh, hosts, other other people, employees who are under a certain type of legal investigation, whatever, have mishaps. Here's the thing. They're not doing it in video, live streaming it as it's happening. And... Let's not act like Paul Pierce is one of the favorites, right? Um, he's been a punchline oftentimes uh, from from the, the the crowd watching. So, I listen. 
that that kind of comes with the. T- I, when I when I saw it and I saw him get released and I saw somebody bring up the the other people who might have legal issues over there, um, I couldn't help but think of Draymond screaming out, "They don't love you like they love Kobe." You know, I felt the same way. It's kind of the same thing. They don't love Paul like they love some of these other guys. You could tell by how what they put him on, I, and that's not to take away from what he does and they say that he's bad at it. I'm just listen, going by what I see. Calls them like I sees them, and what I sees there is that they're not necessarily interested uh, in 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 they weren't interested in keeping. And again, I I, I he's off. He's already been offered from Camp Soda and a uh, two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar proposal to be their NBA analyst with tons of women da- dancing naked around in the background. Um, he'd become their first ever. I, he's gonna miss that studio money, right? You can you can say all the stuff you want to say about uh about where you know his his oh that that's his choice and he'll be he'll bounce back and he he'll have opportunities guaranteed studio money mm, good luck matching from from the four letters okay all right i'm not saying he needs it either i'm just saying that offer it's going to be hard to beat that that's what my point is i mean women and women and we can't be worth that i'm just saying you had michael rapaport going the on uh First take and and shed some tears. You know, we talked about the back and forth between he and and Kevin Durant. Um, while at the same time Stephen A was going back and forth with Russell Westbrook and his wife, and that one kind of died down. But the KD one, Rapport goes to TV. Remember, he he licked the conversation. Um, there were clearly deleted texts. I'm not. This is not. This is no way defending Kevin Durant. This has nothing to do with Kevin. This is clearly about the the path that. Uh, Mr. Rappaport has taken in response to Kevin Durant's uh, uh, I don't want to say in response to his Haynes X I think that some of what Mr. Rappaport was doing brought the, the re- response from Durant on so that being said going on TV and then crying about it and, and saying that you're not worried about harassment especially considering his history at, in and of itself right just don't that doesn't fly so it either has to be a publicity stuff from both sides or he really tried to pull one on everybody and and I hope it didn't work because man, that looked that looked bad. It was a bad. I mean, he's and he's pausing and looking off to the side, and his dog is he's walking his dog and getting harassed. Fam, you you made a career. You have made a career out of being kind of the the harsh, abrasive, in your face person, right? And and take oftentimes attacking people who are are in weaker positions than you are. So you don't nah nah you definitely a cupcake for that one. Kevin Durant's weird. That's weird too. Going back that way is weird too. Gotta let that one slide. Especially you gotta know that it's possible that these dudes are gonna that that could happen. So um, you can't use that language. You just can't do it. But I'm not gonna sit here and act like Rappaport's a victim. How about that? Maybe that's the best way to put it. I don't think there are any victims in this one. I'll put it. That's how. That's what I'll say for that. There are no victims in that. The Chicago Bulls have looked a little bit better. Well, they looked a little bit better um, in their victory over the Brooklyn Nets. Um, now, granted, the Nets were without James Harden and Kevin Durant. Uh, but again, I'm a big process, especially when I see that process leading to things and it's deliberate. Um, I liked it with the Bears last year. I think they're going to be reverting this year. We'll talk about that later on. But the Bulls put in process a new rotation. You've gotten guys kind of accepting what their new roles are going to be going forward. And it just gave me some more hope that the trade that they pulled off for Nikola Vucevic a couple of uh, about a week or so ago um, at the deadline, I'll just say that at the deadline 
um, was much worth was very worth it. You had some some trepidation there when Hutchinson went out there had that big game. He since totaled like ten points in the in the next five games. Um, Wendell had a couple of good games. He's done he's done okay. They're losing. They're blowing leads. They're not a good team down there in Orlando. So um, those things haven't changed. Um, to see the Bulls, like I said, their process is getting better. Uh, Vucevic looked a lot more comfortable against the Nets. Uh, teammates are finding it a lot easier, and I wrote about it for a pivot ain't easy in that. Uh, the Bulls in that game, it's a big win. But more importantly, they found an offensive rhythm. Basically, they found their pecking order. And they defined their roles. Like I said, guys accepted what they were what they were needed for and how they were going to be used. You had Lowry, um, who actually came off the bench again, but was part of he was played he played the three. Like it wasn't good. You know, you don't want to do that. He was taken out into space and abused a few times, but he didn't pout. He he contributed, and it wasn't a big game. I think he had eight and five, which is nothing for him in like twenty minutes. But he it was balanced. It wasn't all scoring or nothing. He gave you rebounding, and I've been such a big uh, uh, detractor of his because of his size. At his size, there's no reason he shouldn't be getting double digit rebounds on a, or close to it at least every night. And he that's even when he's not scoring. Even when he's not scoring, he should be pulling that down, and he doesn't. So that's always bothered me. But that and that limited showing uh, was, was very promising. Now. Ultimately, I, like I've, I've written in the past where Pippen ain't easy, um, his biggest contribution is going to come in his trade value, but the best way to raise that trade value, play well now. Uh, in that article, though, in the one about the Bulls finding their rhythm and their roles that I wrote, that I will link to in the, the uh, description for this episode, I also wrote about Kobe White needing to find his place fast, and in that his future isn't as decided. Now, Lowry, I think, is good as gone because they've already tried to trade him once. I don't see him... Uh, fitting with Vucevic long term, and so it makes sense for everybody involved to try to get something out of this and move him to a better situation. Kobe can still fit, maybe not as a point guard, but he can, he still has a role here if he uh, blends. It. I still I do think that ultimately he'll have to go with Lowry to go bring in Lonzo Ball if that's what they pursue uh, again in this off season, as they did before the deadline. But Kobe's Kobe's fate is, fate is not nearly as sealed as Lowry's is in my estimation, and so when he gets back. He's going to have to uh, just play his game, be that explosive offensive dynamo, take better shots, um, find the open man. Now, I'm not asking him to be the playmaker that they tried to make him in the beginning of the season, but there are times when, I, and I know it's asking a lot of a young player, but he's pa- he's taking shots he shouldn't and passing on shots he needs to. Um, you're not getting anything else out of him. This is what I was talking about, Lowry. You're, if you're not getting, if I'm not getting, playmaking and I'm not getting defense out of you. I need you to be a scorer consistently. So that needs to be there. Double digits every night, uh, efficient every night. If he can do those things, Kobe can have a role in this team. Now, again, it might ultimately be as a trade ship with Lowry, but it would help him going forward to figure out somehow he can maybe do less in, in terms of, of trying to force shots or in those awkward moments of trying to pass it, take the shot. Go into the bat, go to the hole a little bit more. Try to draw some contact. The Bulls definitely need that. Those things, though, would would be big helps if he were to uh, figure out how to how to make that work. It's just it's just something that you don't see. And again, I'm 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 uh, encouraged by what I saw. I won't act like that was the biggest win ever. I know that Nets team was depleted. Stop it. Stop telling people to stop being happy. The team did a little bit better. They were happy because they did better. Like it. Come on, man. Progress has to start somewhere, and it starts with beating the teams that you're supposed to. That's how you get to become a good team. Winning the games you're supposed to win. They should have won that game, and they did. 
They wouldn't have done that a few, a few weeks ago. A couple of nights before that, they wouldn't have done that. It's a big deal, even if it's not a big deal. That's right. Figure that one out. Switching gears. <laughs> the Carolina Panthers made a big trade. Now, we just talked about last episode, the San Francisco 49ers trading up to three. You now have the Carolina Panthers making a trade for Sam Darnold, which all but guarantees that Zach Wilson will be the New York Jets quarterback. So much so that nobody's even hiding it and acting like it's going to be Justin Fields anymore. We are openly discussing it as... Uh, Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson, uh, and now and then it's the field. Then you don't know what's happening. Not just the field, the field. Um, there's still a lot of expectation for there to be three in a row. We just don't know if it's going to be Fields or Mac Jones. I've already talked about my trepidation with Field or with, with Jones, and that listen, same thing with Zach Wilson. If I'm doing all of this to bring up your stock now, especially while I've seen this is just my perspective on it, but, but especially while I've seen the the stock of one of the the competitors for that top spot or one of those top spots uh his stock be brought down almost intentionally seemingly intentionally as a front office i hope there's that's questions being brought up i don't see that that doesn't sound like it doesn't seem to be the case um if here if reports are to be believed as i said it sounds like they've already predetermined that it's going to be zach wilson taking over for gang green uh for the departed now sam darnold now Darnold goes on to a new offense in Carolina who didn't want Teddy Bridgewater. Reportedly, it's because the physicality, Bridgewater is fragile. He's been hurt a lot. Um, and more to the point, I was, this is during the season actually last year, was reading that he was averse to even trying to take contact at all. So he would, you know, get rid of the ball too soon, duck instead of getting the extra few extra yards. But also, he's got a limited arm strength. It's not a, a bad arm. But Matt Rule's offense is one that's designed to go vertical, and it wasn't there for Bridgewater. Now, that being said about Bridgewater's limitations, Sam Darnold was recorded saying he's seeing ghosts. And while the protection of the scheme, and I'm sure the entire environment's going to be better in Carolina, I wonder how much damage is done to Sam Darnold to that, or how much damage was done to Sam Darnold that, that now will limit what his ceiling could have been. And also, you know, USC quarterbacks, let's not... Are we are we saying they just set the world on fire? It was the last good one. Carson Palmer, who was good, never great. He was good. He was ne- never great. Never great. Matt Leinart? Mm, that, mm, I don't think so. Don't think so. So, I'm not, I, 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 listen. Panthers. That Now, what this also signifies is that they don't think they're going to get one of the guys, either one of the top quarterbacks, or at least not one that they like at that pick. And, We've also heard that the Falcons are open to trading out of pick number four. So we're not settled here by any stretch, but we are getting a little bit clearer of a picture. We got uh, Lawrence Wilson, likely Fields. I, I, I don't see how Fields could fall. I don't, I don't get it. But if they take Mac Jones, okay. Because see, like, if, 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 if they go with Jones, Fields is going four. Somebody's trading for that fourth pick. And it should be Atlanta if, if San Francisco... Takes Justin takes Mac Jones over Justin Fields, then Atlanta should pounce on Georgia native Justin Fields. I, just a thought. Would make sense. Matt Ryan is mediocre. Was has all I have, and I think I've said this many times. I've never been a big fan of Matt Ryan, uh, and now at thirty some odd, mid thirties, mid to late thirties, on a team that was bad, that needs help in a lot of spots, you could trade him to some QB needy team, 
and get some decent pieces back in order to, you know, restock the cupboard because this should be future. I know you got mad. I know it. And he that, that team was trying to compete just as recently as last year. That's why nobody from that last year is there now. So don't waste time. I just I just don't see that being a smart um, smart allocation of assets, as it were. Now we'll get into that Brandon Marshall clip that I played for you um, at the beginning of the before the show actually took off. And um, let's just let's just take a listen real quick. Y'all talking about because y'all talking about the NBA got everybody got guaranteed contracts and it's false. They do searching this. And I'm telling you, it's the they truth. Do. No, they don't. Not everybody that's on the NBA roster like have a guarantee. There's two-way contracts. There's, there's two-way contracts. No, it's not. And then there's no, the no, top no, dogs. About. There's the top dogs. No, it's not. There's four guys on the NBA team that got guaranteed contracts. And everybody else can be cut today and don't got nothing. And don't have land dime. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. So who has a better structure, the NBA or the NFL? Everything y'all saying is what I'm saying. It's now you finally got the Russell Wilsons of the world finally saying something. That end part was probably my favorite. Everything you guys are saying, I'm saying. I don't usually get yelled at by the person I'm talking to if they agree with what I'm saying. If I'm saying what they're saying. I don't, I don't, maybe that's me. Maybe that's, maybe I'm, I'm unique in that sense. But I've never been one to experience uh, somebody yelling at me for agreeing with them. Now, this started off with the NFL talking about the NFL's contracts and how the, the CBA now will be, be giving out players paychecks. Uh, it's moving to a 36-week system as opposed to the 17-week system that it was on before. And there's a lot of debate as to whether or not this is a good idea. Now, you've got some who are saying that, hey, look, for those guys who aren't too financially savvy, this is a great idea. They'll get their money, you know, when they right now. They don't have to wait for it. Um, the other side is saying, hey, they're going to, they're going to, they're holding on to, the, the other side of your money, they're holding on to more of your money for a longer period of time because they're not giving it to you in those lump sums. And they're just they're 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 basically holding your hand and this, that and the third. And they're trying to do. So what's funny to me about it, and I'm not going to because it's just it's it's rich people problems, literally rich people problems. Um, but what's funny about it to me is both sides have claimed huh, both sides. Both sides are claiming, though, that this is a hindrance to the players so either way. That it's hindering to the players, and that the other way is the best way for the players. Both, I, both, both are coming around saying that it's holding the players' hands. Regardless of what you do, you're holding the players' hands. I, there, there's no way to win that argument. That's why. That's why I said we're not going to talk about it, like oh, other than the, than this clip. Now, addressing Mister Mister Marshall. The NBA totally has completely guaranteed contracts. You do have guys who sign two-way and, and non-guaranteed. Those usually last about 10 days, which is why they're called 10-day contracts, and then they get turned into a guarantee or the guy gets cut. And many people jumped into the comments and let him know that he was wrong. But the best part about it is that he was long and extremely loud and aggressive. <laughs> he, didn't just, he wasn't just loud with, with jubilation, right? He wasn't just loud being happy. He was loud and angry and, and, and in your face and clapping and flexing and stuff. Boy, sit down. What is wrong? And the look, <laughs> you got to look at the clip. I shared it. It's on uh, my Twitter again. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. But the look on Chad Johnson and Channing Crowder's face. Chad Johnson especially. Chad, Chad Johnson is looking at him like, what is, what? First of all, 
you're wrong. But second, why are you screaming so loudly if you think that I'm just simply wrong about the way the contracts are made up in the NBA? And then he runs through talking about, look it up. Look it up as someone who obviously, quite obviously, has not looked it up. <laughs> oh, man. That's a great clip. Now, again, it's, it's a typically very entertaining show. Um, Brandon could be a bit much sometimes. Usually it all works out. This is still entertaining. It just, I, my gosh. I mean, he is live about NBA contracts and the structure. Because you heard, like you said, you heard uh, Channing at the end there say, well, who has better structure? But you heard him getting mad and, and livid about them being wrong on how NBA contracts are done whole time. Whole time he was way off. You hate to see it. You absolutely hate to see it. I mean, good googly moogly, man. You, you didn't have to go that hard. That's the only thing I was saying. Like, why was he? Why? Why? <laughs> he got so mad. Oh, man. He was so mad. That's great. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Now, um, in some more serious news, you did have um, two of the accusers of Deshaun Watson come forward and speak today. One in person, the other by, uh, through a lawyer. And well, I've tried to not, I'm, you know, I will continue to not litigate this at all. What I will say is Watson and his team need to get active. I know that if I know activity does not necessarily mean accomplishment, achievement, anything good, but I do know that inactivity in these type of situations leads to the, the, the court of public opinion being formed. And that being that now, you can say, well, it's just a court of public opinion, and legally he can he can do all this, that, and the third. Yes, but he's in a very public-facing position, one in which one that requires him to to kind of keep up appearances and an image. Now, he's certainly done his part to bring this upon himself. I'm not I'm not trying to say that he didn't. That's not what I'm saying. But I also don't think that you can stand idly by and simply count on the justice system to clear your name again. Again, in something like this, that you are you are a public figure, you are a black man in America, and they are pushing a full court press on you right now, family. Sitting idly by just seems like a recipe for disaster. There's no way, and now it's come out, and if we've seen it, you know, we heard the reports the Panthers did their due diligence on trying to trade for him, and um, you've seen the moves that have been made by the Niners too. Two teams that were supposedly in on him, the Bears supposedly went. Now they. We're never going to get him, but they went and got Andy Dalton. Moves have been made around him, and now there's no real avenue to move to move on from him. For him. No one's coming to get you right now. If they do, they're betting that you're going to be cleared. And, uh, dude, like I said, because it's been so one-sided in the court of public opinion, you're pretty much SOL. Is that how it's supposed to be? No, nah, it shouldn't be like that. But, again, you that's what happens when you don't do some kind of offensive. And again, that's not to say that his, his attorney hasn't come out and said anything. They've come out and tried to spend, uh, uh, say that it wasn't true and it didn't happen. And this, that, that's fine. 22. And then he came up with the 18. It's just a, such a weird, weird happening that I just, there, again, I told you the Texans were winning and I probably should have, should have dug into that deeper myself. And that winning doesn't necessarily mean victory or something good. It just means that they're going to be able to keep their quarterback like they want. Because nobody's coming to get him right now. 
And you can't trade him right now because whatever they're trying to offer you, damn sure ain't market value. If it is, that GM needs to be fired because my man is, is, is at risk of not playing anymore. Not just this year, anymore. If this comes out to be proven true. It's a tough sight, man. Tough sight. Going nearly across the country. We're going across the country. Russell Wilson's back in the news. Adam Schefter is back confirming that Russ, uh, the Seahawks are interested in moving on from Russ. Um, my guess is this is like the Bill Belichick thing sooner rather than later. Um, they seem to have mended fences, but apparently not. And if that's the case, I would fully expect the Bears to try to make some other type of push to go and uh, get Russ when the draft comes and they can offer that extra pick. Up until then, though, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't see. I don't. I don't know why this keeps popping up when nothing done by either side suggests, other than those reports early on, suggests that this this is going to come of any difference. And of course, this goes back into the high, the uh, the snooty types. You know, the the uh, the ah, I told you so guys who came at the at the start said, look, there's a good chance that none of these guys move. I think we all knew that there was a really good chance that no guys moved. The Darnold thing is funny though, because that was one of the ones they used last night. But anyway, I think it's funny though they all that none of the, that I think we all knew rather that it was possible nobody would move. But the amount of people talking about the movement was enough to be say, hey, maybe it's possible, and you can entertain it. Some people just refuse to entertain anything uh, that's not based in total fact. And what I say to that is, if I'm not controlling it, I have no other uh, recourse. That's the only thing I can do is kind of speculate. So, just a little, you know, PSA to those who, who look down on those who do the fantasy trades and all these, oh my gosh, right, these out-of-the-world out trades and blah, 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 always trying to crap on somebody. Look, man, as especially fans, pure fans, if you don't have any control but you have complete rooting interest, oh, man, what else are you supposed to do but make up whacked-out trades? Especially when your organization does the dumbest things repeatedly. Come on. Be better. <laughs> be best. <laughs> uh, the Falcons like I told you are looking to move out of the fourth pick um, the Bears and I'll talk about them a little bit more should definitely be looking to go get that pick but I do think that a team like New England could jump up I don't think that Jones goes three but I do think that if he doesn't go three that he will go before any 15 or 20 because some team is going to trade up for him I don't think Denver takes him I don't think he fits well enough and I don't See them, honestly, if they don't get one of the top guys, why would you go with another rookie? None of these rookies are more impressive than what Drew Locke can bring, you, bring to the table physically, and he's already been in the system. Let him keep maturing, keep working with him. I like what they, I like Drew Locke personally, so I don't think they should move on from him anyway. But especially not they're gonna, if they're not going to get uh, one of, the, one of the, the, the really, really good guys. It doesn't make any sense. One of the top, top two even. Like, I wouldn't even go three. I would go top two. If I'm not getting Trevor, and in my eyes, Justin Fields, I wouldn't do it. Now, if they can get Fields, if Fields somehow makes it to, to what is it, six? No, six is Miami. Whatever. Seven or eight, nine, something like that. They're, they're eight or nine, I think. If he makes it there, then you better pull the trigger. But I don't see them going to get it. Um, trading up for it, rather. So Atlanta could be stuck where they are. And in which case, I had them picking Kyle Pitts. Um, just an interest in this this whole thing. I have, I have to do another mock draft. Like I gotta do another mock first round. I gotta do another one. Just I just put the other one out and they come out and do this. Just when you think I'm out, just when I think I'm out, they pull me right back in. It's all right. It's all right. Not gonna be boring. Hopefully they don't slow down. Coming up for Clocker Sports this week, uh, will be an article on the top ten 
top 10 draft bust. No, I did not stutter. That was not a speaking error. It is the top 10 of the top 10 that busted in the NFL draft from the last decade. So from 2011 through 2020, the top 10, top 10. Because look, when you go through the draft, we know it's a crapshoot. First round, most of those guys are going to fail. We get that. But when you go in the top 10, it's act- surprisingly has been clean in, the, in recent years. But boy, it was ugly. It got ugly for a while. And I excluded linemen and quarterbacks because the quarterbacks have different standards. And, and some had, not even, I didn't exclude quarterbacks. I just had to take some away because I, I had to set a different level of expectation there. Because one guy I really wanted to put on there and I had to look at it the totality compared to the other guys. I was like, all right, all right, you got to make it. <laughs> and I just tell you, that was Trubisky. Like, I, did, I really wanted to put him up there. but it, And I know people are going to say, he's a super buzz. When you compare Mitchell Trubisky with a lot of the other quarterbacks taken in the first round, now draft slot, sure. I'm not going to act like he was good. He was horrible. He was picked way above his pay grade, and he was definitely not paired with somebody who wanted to work with him, so it was never going to work. But he did make a Pro Bowl. Regardless of how he got there, he did make it. That's a lot more that I can say for the guys that did make it at that position to the list. So keep that in mind and just know that it's coming. Um, That's, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but the top 10, top 10 of the last 10 draft busts in the NFL. And then the Bears. I, I, this is a, a, a battered spouse relationship right here because they keep coming out and, and telling me the worst of the worst things. And I mean, crafting the worst message. And I'm like, oh, that's a horrible. Oh, my gosh. So what are we? What? And then I'm right back listening to the next week. Like I'm expecting something different. I know they're going to say the same stuff. Other than that, they're not going to do the smart move. I know they're not going to say the right thing. They're going to be secretive when they don't need to be. They're going to be transparent. They probably should have kept to themselves. And here we are. But these pressers, these tone-deaf press conferences, it began at the end. Well, it's really been the whole time. But um, this offseason, when the offseason came around and, and Ted Phillips got up there on that microphone and said, have we won enough or have we figured out the quarterback position? Nope. Have we won enough games? Nope. But we, but everything else is there. Family. What? What? That? What? You don't have a quarterback, and you haven't won enough. But we got everything else right. That's that's about it. That's all that matters. That's all that. Especially because that's at the top. Like if those were the two things that you got, and one of them was at the top, and then the other one's at the middle, but everything else is in between, it'd be okay. But you're missing the, like the top two things, and not even you're missing the top two things. Everything else is not, you don't got everything else because you don't got the best, you don't have the most important parts. You're not getting the biggest two facts. Like, ah. So, fast forward. Andy Dalton's high, or is signed. Whatever. Nobody wanted that. <laughs> Whatever. But then you tweet out the QB1 thing. Like, mm. and you got the people who support and defend no matter what and saying, oh, what were they supposed to do? You got to show support for your quarterback. That's fine. But you don't got to do it like that. You know, we're we're way out, and it was a random day. They just dropped that bomb on us for no reason, for no reason. And then, most recently, on Good Friday, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace speak. My Ryan Pace speaking is like the double blue moon back to back, not happening. Uh, they come out and Pace is effusively praising Andy Dalton and his abilities and how he's just complete and how they. They are really, and I wrote for last Rodan Pro Football, they are really, truly banking that Matt Nagy's scheme can overcome deficiencies on the roster. And some will say the roster's not that bad. I will argue 
that this roster peaked in 2018 and has gotten worse ever since. And that's not even an argument that I, that I can't back up. You can look at it. Look at it on paper and tell me that this roster is better than the one that went 12-4. and four. They haven't upgraded right tackle. They, they haven't upgraded left tackle. And you can tell me all the stats you want about Charles Leno being serviceable and he was one of the better and blah, blah, blah. My man gets ran over and, and no, no. This is where the eye test should take precedent here because it's not good. It's ungood. It wasn't helped by the quarterback. I get that. But he's not good either. It's frustrating. You got, you got a guy, a head coach, who didn't want to work with the quarterback that, he was, that was here when he got hired. That was here when he took the job. And I, I wrote this in the article that the Bears are, are banking on scheme over talent on this roster. I wrote, Nagy didn't really want him to begin with. Remember, I talked about, I talked about this in episodes way before how when he first got here, he said that Mitch was a guy that he didn't really like in the draft process when he was in KC. But then he got to Chicago and he, he met him. He was cool with him. What did that say? That sounded completely like I, I couldn't stand it, but now nah, he's on my team, so I got to do what I got to do. He didn't like Mitch from the jump. This is like Pace getting hired and then having to hire John Fox. This all falls into my, my theme for this team where they never have two things on the same page. They're always out of sync. And that's why they will forever be an organization that is fumbling around in sports hell. Too good to be bad consistently enough to build up talent and too bad to be good enough to justify keeping anybody in that building around. You're going to get a second round QB, hopefully, and Andy Dalton. And a nine and, and or t- uh, I'm sorry, Seven and ten season. Yay. Good luck with that. And then a new regime. Unless he trades all the picks. And then in which case, I don't really want them trading up for a rookie. They're not getting if you're they're not getting Lawrence, they're not getting Wilson, and they're likely not getting Trevor Lawrence or uh Justin Fields. Don't trade up for anybody. If it's not for one of those three, don't trade up. If Fields slips and you feel like you can get a move up there, I'm cool with that. And I, I probably would even be okay if people were like, nah, I don't trade it for Justin Fields either. That's fine. It probably would only be Trevor Lawrence if I was actually having to pull that trigger. There's no point in pulling and trading up. Build the, ro- build the roster and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, not doing what you're doing, but keep trying to fill out the rest of the roster and hope that you get another crack at a quarterback somewhere down the road. But if you're not trading for a veteran, don't trade because you're not getting one of the best guys and you're going to be, it's a project and I do not have any faith in these guys to build a project. That's what's funny about them going with the second-round quarterback thing. I'm supposed to believe that Matt Nagy, who couldn't even work with the quarterback who had the tools, just was – he couldn't baby him enough. Now, I've seen that the playbook the, – or the, the, the game plans was severely stripped down and Trubisky couldn't do it. But I also saw somebody in Bill Lazor come in and implement something that worked for Trubisky and them have some type of success with it. You could save competition if you want to. Again, process. Process is very big with me. The process for Matt Nagy has always been flawed. Bill Lazor's process, while Matt Nagy didn't like the style, it, it, it showed some progress and gave you results that you were looking for. This whole offseason has been an exercise in the opposite. We're going to do what we want to do, despite the fact that we know that's not going to work, and we're going to tell you that we figured it out because of collaboration, and we, we got really close a lot of times on free agents. But we just couldn't make it. Just couldn't do it. Not a good look. Not a good look. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh Buck. Hit the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. Website, ClockerSports.com. Email address, ClockerSports at gmail.com. And you can always follow the pod at 30spod on Twitter and Facebook. Read the stuff. Uh, LastRunnerProFootball.com, PimpinAteEasy.com, and ClockerSports.com. Uh, until the very next time. Everything y'all saying is what I'm saying.